Today is our final message in our sermon series entitled, Love Reigns. And the emphasis of the entire series was allowing the love of God to reign in every area of our lives. On the first week, Easter Sunday, we celebrated the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the resurrection is the proof that He is King overall. Therefore, He has authority over all things. And when we obey Jesus, we can experience the life that He has for us. On the second week, we learned how the love of God reigns over our past. Though our mistakes and sins can be a very heavy burden on us, we can embrace the love of God that forgives us our past and offers us a fresh start. Last week, we discovered how God reigns in our presence. We can make choices that create healthier patterns in our lives. And we can renew our minds to live in obedience to God. Now today we're talking about allowing the love of God to reign in our future. As I was thinking about this, I remember a toy that was still popular in my day, although it really came out in 1948. It's something that appealed to our uh, sense of wanting to know what the future held. And I'm talking about the Magic 8-Ball. Ever heard of that thing? A little, there's a picture of it. And you would talk into it, and you would shake it up, and it would give an answer. And some things I would ask it about the future would be things such as, you know, what, what about my middle school crush I had? Would she like me or not? And I always get the answer, don't count on it. I would ask it about my grades. Uh, if I would finish out and pass and get an A, and it would say, uh, can't tell you that right now. Ask again later. And that's the same thing with Terry about my, my future, my job. You know, what would be my job? What am I going to do in the future? And it would say, better not ask now, ask later. It was always very uh, kind of general, not anything specific, but it does show that human nature, we get somewhat anxious about the future. What is the future going to hold? You can see it now in our society as we've come through a 2020 and as 2021 is clicking along. There is a sense of everybody out there about what the future will hold. Now, sometimes we wonder about the future because our current situation is very painful. And we want to get on the other side of that, the other side of difficulty. Sometimes we wonder because we're excited about coming possibilities that might happen. But either way, our anxiety or curiosity about the future can sometimes slip into an unhealthy obsession about what is to come. Now this is called worry. Do you worry? Let me ask another question before I ask that. Have you ever lied? Now I'm going to ask again. Do you ever worry? Just curious. We, we worry about things that we can't really control. 
It's an all-consuming activity where we can be. Use of our time, energy, and attention. We worry about our finances. We worry about getting sick. We worry about uh, our families. And we worry about a lot of things we can't even control. And the problem with worry is that it does not improve our situation at all. The only true way to cure the sickness of worry is to trust in the love of God and let it rule in our lives. And Jesus spoke to this in our passage, Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. Now, interesting enough, this was spoken over 2,000 years ago, and it still applies to you and I today, just like the rest of Scripture. You know, we like to talk about here in 21st century that we're so much smarter, we know so much more than the ancients did. But yet we still struggle with the very same things, human nature, anxiety, worry about the future. We struggle with coveting other, what other people have. All the other basic problems of human nature, we still have it as well. So let's look at our passage starting in Matthew 6, verse 25. This is Jesus speaking. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on or wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into marns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Interesting enough, in the original language, it literally says, who can add a single cubit to its height? Really, he's talking about just a single moment. You know, you worry, you can't add a single minute to your life. Verse 28, And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil or labor, nor do they spin. Did I say to you that not even Solomon and all his glory clothe himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles equally seek, eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek or continually seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added or provided to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's go back and kind of walk through this passage as Jesus addresses this problem we have with worry. The first point I want you to point to is God sees you. You see that in verses 25 through 32. Jesus tells us not to worry about our life, our daily needs, or our daily daily wants. What's the reason for that? He tells us in the passage that our lives are made up of more than just our physical desires. Look at verse 25. Do not worry about your life, literally soul, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And God offers proof 
of His ability to provide for us because Jesus points to the birds, the birds of the sky. They do not sow, nor weep, nor gather into barns. Verse 26. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So the point being, if God can take care of the sparrows of the world, He can surely take care of you and me. Jesus is reminding us of our incredible worth. That God sees us. We are loved by God. Let me put that more personal. God sees you and He loves you. Therefore, He will provide for you today. Our future is in good hands when it's in God's hands. We must allow ourselves to trade what we do not know about the future for what we do know about the love of God. Let me repeat that. We have to allow ourselves, get ourselves, quit worrying about, trade that worry, what you do not know about the future, for what you do know about the love of God that He has for you, and trust in that. Worry is not worth it because it does not add a single hour to your life. If anything, it will take time away from you. Now, medical science backs this up. Stress, worry, concern can do a lot of things and mess up your body real bad. They know that now. But if we are Christians and we've made a profession of of faith in Christ, we know that He's going to take care of us. So what I'm getting out of this is, Tim, quit worrying about tomorrow. You know what's going to happen tomorrow, much less five minutes from now. Go watch what you do know. My love I have for you, have provided for you all this time. Look at the past. Look at the road you've traveled. Look behind you. And as you look behind you, you can see me being trustworthy for you. That gives you ability to look forward and trust in me. It reminds me of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. That is prayed by many around the world. Specifically, verse 11 gives us this day our daily bread. In other words, God, give us what we need today. Now, don't give us too much, because if you give us too much, then we'll forget about thanking you or seeking you for the future. But don't give us not enough that we now decide to take control of it and do things by our own power. Give us enough for the day, just for the day. You remember the story about the manna and the children of Israel? This food would show up, and they don't really know what it was. In the Hebrew, it means, what is it? It would show up, and they would gather. He said, gather what you need for the day. Don't store it. I'll provide you with tomorrow. And on the Sabbath, before the Sabbath, they'd have to gather up two days because the Sabbath, they wouldn't do that. If they collected more, it would turn bad and spoil. God was teaching them to rely on me for the day. Don't worry about tomorrow. I will take care of you tomorrow. Is that easy to trust God every single day? Or do we have a tendency to want to hoard stuff and plan stuff and do things for our own ability versus trusting God? If you stop and think about it, we're trusting God for the major thing about our future. Think about this. I may have a hard time trusting God for tomorrow, but think about it. For all eternity, I'm trusting God and His Son, Jesus Christ, for my salvation. That's huge. In fact, you could argue that's the biggest decision a person will make. Where is my future? Where is my eternity future? If we can trust God with that, why don't we trust God with everything else? 
as you might have figured this out, I'm preaching to myself now because the text is hitting me. Tim, you need to trust me now. Not tomorrow, not five minutes, but trust me in this moment. Trusting God instills in us the hope that He will be there even before we even get there. Don't worry about tomorrow. God's already been there. He's seen it. He's still going to take care of it. You know, we're so limited. We only have the here and now. We, we can look back at the past, but we can't do nothing about it. We don't really know what the future holds. But God looks at it all one big shot. He knows. He's God. And he, He's God in your life to a certain situation, circumstances. He wants to work in you and through you. It's all about trusting Him with every small detail. Now, most of you have heard Jeremiah 29.11. That says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. A lot of people claim that, especially around graduation. It's used a lot. We must remember the context in which that promise is made. They're in exile. Everything they once knew, gone. The city totally destroyed. Taken off as captives into a foreign land. And in the midst of all this, he says that. I must admit, if I've been there, I said, Jeremiah, uh, hello, look where we're at. I can identify more of that now after experience 2020. Tim, I'm going to take care of tomorrow. Hello, God, have you seen what's going on? We can't even have church on Sunday. I, I, don't even, I can't even work a full week. Everything's shut down. Hello? And God says, Tim, why are you worrying? I got it all under control. He has a plan. What's this plan for us in general? The big scheme of things. The big plan. What's the goal of all this? To be with God. He has that covered, right? He has big plans for us. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine what that day is going to be like? We who are alive will be changed in a twinkling of eye. That trumpet's going to sound and the Lord will descend. Everything we've read about Everything we've prayed about, everything we discussed about, our faith now will become sight, as the hymn says. And we will see Him as He truly is in all His might, glory, and wonder. To be with Him forever, worshiping and getting to know our Creator. Wow, that's our future. That's our eternity future. Things in this life come and go, but that's eternity. And Jesus says, I hold those in my hand, and the Father holds them in His hands. It's like Jesus says, I have the ones you've given me, Father, in my hand, and I hold them, and the Father's hands over that, and nothing can take them out of my hand. Nothing can pluck you out. You're safe and secure. Now, see, we'll experience some of that in this life, and we'll begin to let go and try to stop, to back up, I get tongue tied. We will experience that when we let go of trying to control everything. 
We have to submit to Him and follow Him. Worrying about the future does not have any positive effects. It causes us to be paralyzed by fear. Fear, uh, worry will do that. For the fact that you're just so paralyzed, you'll sit there. I mean, if you watched, if you watch the news and you start worrying about everything they say, you will never leave the house. You'll probably get scared to go up and use the restroom. But worry will do that. If you really worry and you have all this fret, and it can get you to being paralyzed by fear. So here's the question. Well, how do we know when opportunities come our way that they're, they're part of God's plan? Well, first thing you got to ask yourself, does this opportunity align with Scripture? Would it be violating some kind of direction we already see, already see in Scripture? If so, it's a good chance that's not part of God's plan for you. Question two, would this opportunity make me more like Jesus? If you decide to take part in this opportunity, will we become more Christ-like? Will it help shape you and mold you into the person God desires you to be? If so, there's a good chance that's part of God's plan. Will this opportunity benefit others? That's the third question. Will this decision result in the blessing of other people around you? Because God's always looking to use willing people to serve others in need. And if that's part of that event, if that opportunity, that's a good indication, that's part of God's plans for you in the future. Three things you can ask yourselves. Discover God's plan for your future is to live out the purpose for which you've been born. This is the future that you want to experience because your future is tied to your purpose in God's plan. What is the chief in the man to glorify God? What is our purpose? To serve God. See, our, our future is tied to why we were created and God's master plan. God sees you. He knows what you need before you even ask it. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knew who was going to win the election. He knows the people in Congress. He knows your situation. Trust and seek the peace that He can give you when you trust in Him and trust in the love that He has for you. What's the worst thing that can happen? to me in this life. Most people would say, well, die is probably the worst thing that can happen. Really? I kind of agree with the Apostle Paul. To die is the gain. Be asked from the body, be present from the Lord. I, I'm not, I don't have a death wish. Okay? I like to sit and watch my grandkids grow up and everything else, but I know ultimately my future is tied to God. He has my future in His hands. I know where I'm headed. He's just asking me to trust him on the, on the road along the way. And my job along the way is to tell everybody else I can, hey, trust in God. He'll watch you. He'll guide us home. Make disciples. Tell people what they can trust in. Because ultimately, who can you trust in? The government? The governor? Other people? There's only one who's truly trustworthy, and that's God. In verses 33 and 34, we must seek God first. Look at what it says. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. That should be our priority. And we should be living this out as a defining aspect of our lives. 
However, many of us are too focused on increasing our popularity and status on social media, or getting that lake house or that new car, maybe finding that true love, whatever it is. Now, those things are not bad within themselves, but they can veer us off track as our life progresses. Look what Jesus says will happen if you seek God first. Look at verse 33 again. All these things that you're seeking after will be added or provided for you. In other words, if you're seeking God first, everything else will fall into place. We've seen that happen right here in this church. Came through some hard times, but you kept seeking God first in His righteousness. Look what happened. God has provided. 2020, things got a little weird, a little tough. We kept seeking God and His kingdom and His righteousness. What happened? God provided the resources that we needed to continue His mission here in Forestburg. I'm telling you, we've seen this played out right before us. He is telling us and showing us day by day, look at what I'm doing for you. And when you seek God, or continue to seek God first, you will live life with humility. Uh, your wants and desires will look more like the things of God. And that's where that illustration comes in I shared the kids. I mean, look at this. Half the stuff, I know I'm going off key here, Jerry. He's following me with the camera. These bigger things of God, some of them won't even fit in there. We're so busy running around trying to get scraps off the table while God's saying, I have so much bigger plans for you. Why are you selling? One thing I used to tell my daughters all the time, do not sell yourself short. Seek God. And what He wants you to do, He'll never leave you. Will it be easy? No, there will be times where you're going to have to trust and take that step of faith. But He will be there. He always has and He always will be. You have to trust Him. We're busy running around watching commercials. If you buy this, if you do this, if you have that, you'll be happy and secure. While God says, look, I got the, I got the key of happiness. I, I have the answer. Jesus said it plain. I am the way and the truth and the life. I mean, how much plainer do you want it? And no one goes to the Father except through Him. I guess what I'm trying to say, dear beloved, is that now this is a Every illustration breaks down. I hope you understand that. But when you, when you look at our culture and our society, we are bombarded with message after message about buying this, buying that, go here, go there, get this and get that. And they all promise peace and happiness and ooh, you'll just be in heaven, right? But they cannot deliver what they promise. But we have what they're eagerly seeking for. We have, we know the answer. His name is Jesus Christ. We need to be just as active and even more bolder with the message. Say, look, you're seeking this stuff? Let me tell you, they can't provide you what they're promising. Let me tell you, you can provide that. His name is Jesus Christ. And you can come to Him right now as you are. He offers it to anybody. It doesn't matter who you are, what race you are. Your background does not matter. Give it up to Him and He will set you free. That's the answer. And it amazes me how many times people come on TV, I found this or I found that. Man, the message is still the same that it was over 2,000 years. It's the Gospel. It's the Gospel. We don't need to worry about the future. It's in God's hands. 
In verse 34, look what Jesus says. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care for itself. Here's, each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen and amen to that. Don't worry about tomorrow. There is enough to take care of tomorrow. You worry about today. Tim, you worry about what I need you to do today in this moment. I'll take care of the rest. The last point I'd like to make this morning is use your time wisely. Because that corresponds with seeking God, putting His kingdom first. How do we spend our time? We only have so many days. And I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. The earlier I've gotten, I've learned this more and more to be true. The most precious commodity that I have more than clothes or cars or house or money is time. Because you cannot get it back. Once it's gone, it's gone. And there's only so much of it. It reminds you of Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, where the psalmist says, Teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. He's writing a psalm of prayer, asking God to give him awareness that he may use the days of his life in a manner that honors God. And I started thinking about how do we spend our time? Now bear with me for a second. I found this as I searched on the internet, the National Association of City Transport Officials. I actually exist. And they're talking about how much time we spend on the road. So I started chasing this rabbit a little bit. And uh, they say the perfect amount of time for a light to remain red is about 60 to 90 seconds. Well, I guess you can sit there red light in time if you want to see if that's correct or not. Uh, there's estimated that approximately 20% of all driving time is at red lights. That's according to AAA. And AAA also says average Americans spend 17,600 minutes driving each year. Now, if you do all the math, on average, we spend 122 days or about four months of our life at red lights. Well, that's happy news, isn't it? At red lights. It says to me the average person spends five years of their life waiting in line. One year is spent looking for misplaced objects. I can't find my socks. I couldn't find my readers this morning. Went past the dresser three times and Tammy goes, they're on the dresser. <laughs> Eight months opening junk mail, be it email or coming to your house. Four years spent doing housework. Six years we spent eating. That's average. And I'll bring that all up because we need to really stop and think, where are we spending our time? Because time is precious. It's ticking away. And as you live your life day to day, it's important to ask yourself if the places that your time, energy, attention, and affection are going is the most important place they could possibly go. It's been said the only thing that will matter a hundred years from now is your relationship with God. If that's the case, we must use our future to ensure that many come to experience and trust God along the way. Time is short. Time is so precious. You only have so much of it. Like I said before, that's the two great unknowns. We don't know. The time of our physical death or the time when He's coming back. But we know by each minute by each second, each minute, every hour, every day, every month, every year, every decade, every century, 
we get closer to one of those happening. Jesus says He will come like a thief in the night when we least expect it. Will we be ready? Will I be ready? Will you be ready? Will your family members be ready? Will our community be ready? How about our state, nation? How about the world? We spend so much time as a country arguing over this and arguing over that. We spend more time in committees and yet time is ticking by. Many of you in this room perhaps have to make a decision about something important. And you'll probably argue with yourself. This is where the real spiritual battle happens every Sunday. When the Word is proclaimed, we call it the invitation because we are invited, myself included, to respond to the Word of God. What are we going to do now? And while we sit there and we ponder and we second-guess ourselves, time is ticking by. For 33 years, I sat with many of you who are sitting today. Older years, I didn't go to church very much. But as a young boy, I had a drug problem. My mom drug me to church every time the doors were open. And day after Sunday after Sunday, Sunday school after Sunday school, VBS, youth camp, you name it, I heard the gospel message. And the whole time I sat there arguing with myself by time was ticking by. That came home to me one time when I was going through seminary thinking, you know, I could have done this a lot earlier in my life if I had just listened to God the first time. How many blessings did I rob myself of because I did not listen? Time is ticking by. As the psalmist said, living wisely means realizing we only have so many days. We must use them carefully, wisely, and prudently. As I said before, trade what you do not know about the future for what you do know, the great love that God has for you. You can even make that bigger, right? John Sersini, for the great love God has for the world. In Greek cosmos, the universe. He created it. He loves it. He didn't step away. He didn't walk off in anger. He stood the course and had a plan from the very beginning. As we close out, we'll do things just a little different. You don't have to write it down, but I want you right now to think of something that you're worried about. You have a concern about or you're anxious about. Put it in your mind or you may want to write it down on a piece of paper. You thinking about it? And I'm going to ask you next few minutes as we pray together, trade that anxiety or worry for what you do know about the love of God and say, God, whatever you need to do, please do it and use me. I am willing. And be ready for the response you may get back. You might not hear directly today, but God will begin to move. He already is moving. Church, we're about to have a business meeting. And no, I didn't plan this much as that before the business meeting. It just kind of happened that way. 
I know we need to be prudent and wise with our resources. But as we make decisions about the future of this church and what we're going to do, I can't help but point out the obvious. God has been faithful. He's given us financial resources. He's given us human resources. We've had people visit. We've had people join. We'd like to see more, of course we would. But God has proven himself faithful. So as we go into our business meeting, the obvious thing is we need to trust God. Trust His direction. Which way He's leading. Will it be easy? No. Will it sometimes not make sense to us? Oh, yeah, sometimes it won't make sense at all. But God is looking. Are you going to take that step and follow me? And some of you saw this posted on Facebook. I quoted as a wise man was actually Alex Gonzalez. He's with the state convention. He he put this on his feed. And he said, we must ask ask ourselves this question. We claim to worship the Almighty Creator, God. If we do that, we make sure we're actually worshiping the Creator, the God of creation, not the God of our imagination. I thought that was pretty good. We need to trust God. Plain and simple. This whole series, Living in the Hope of Easter. Easter is not confined just to one Sunday. I hope you understand that. Every Sunday should be a celebration. He is not dead. He is risen. He's at the right hand of God. He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. He's our friend. He's our brother. He's our high priest. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Think about what's that concern again and that word you have in your mind and your heart. And as we pray, forget about worrying about it. Trust God. But then be ready to act upon what God wants you to do. So oftentimes we ask God, please send somebody. And God said, you know, that's, that's okay, but I really want to send you. We need a Sunday school teacher. We have some people come. We might have a new Sunday school. God, we need a Sunday school teacher. God might be saying, oh, that's a good idea. What about you? We, we need more help with Blast and these kids. Well, that's great, but what about you? What are you going to do? Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time we had together. We thank You for this wonderful opportunity. We thank You for Your Word. Father, we thank You for the great love You have for us. We can't even begin to fully comprehend or understand the depth or the width of Your love. But Father, we trust in it. We rest in it. Father, for all these concerns that might be in our minds and hearts this morning. God, help us to trade those, give those over to You. And trust in You and Your love for the rest of the day, for tomorrow, for the coming weeks, months, and years. We thank You for Your great mercy, Your love, and forgiveness. May the peace, your peace, this envelop everyone in this room and the sound of my voice.
May we respond in obedience to your call. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?